<laughs> Welcome to Climate Courage, everyone. My name's Andrea Edwards, and I'm so excited today to be here with this stellar cast. Our topic <laughs> is Step Up, Speak Up, Show Up. And I want to introduce you to everyone very briefly, and then I'm going to hand it over to you guys to introduce yourself. Be prepared to change and be part of the change to reverse the damage that we have done to our planet. We have to act now. Climate courage. So based on where you're sitting, we've got Julian Mather, who's calling in from Brisbane, and he is the author of Press the Red Button, How to Show Up on Video and Win More Trust, More Authority and More Clients. I've read his book. It's brilliant, step-by-step, and I owe you a, a, a review on Amazon. Yeah, there it is. It's a great book, really great book. Um, so welcome, Julian. Hey, I'm really uh, appreciative to be asked to be here. Oh, I'm, I'm very grateful. Uh, we also have Anjali Sharma, and in the show notes I said mm-hmm. that you'd already published your book, and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I, I found it somewhere that you'd published it somewhere in Europe. Um, but she's about to publish her book in May 2023, which is called Strategic Storytelling, and when it comes to storytelling, this lady is a master. Welcome, Anjali. <laughs> I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. I appreciate it. And finally, Joanne Flynn, uh, a friend of many, many years, and we've done a lot of work together. And she's just published her latest book, and I think that's your sixth book. Is that right? It is. Yeah. It is. So it's it's called Green Sight, the Sustainability Handbook for Company. Oh, it's good to get the right way up. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Oh, Excellent go. marketing. But uh, Anna, and so she's she, – She's Joanne and Anna. Uh, she works with the C-suite, integrating environment and sustainability into how, how businesses run run themselves. So absolutely thrilled you're all here. I know we're going to have a great conversation, deep and meaningful, um, but I want you get you all to introduce yourselves. So maybe, Anjali, would you like to start? Just sort of give everyone a bit of background around you and what you do. Yeah. So, you know, I run a practice, which is a story practice. Put simply, what do we do every time an organization needs to make a change happen? So Climate Courage is a kind of a change in itself, a very big one, a very important one. We help the organizations and individuals as well um, make that change happen with the power of stories. So that's what we do on a daily basis. Yeah, I really recommend follow Anjali on social media. She's I, I, I see you on LinkedIn. I see you on Instagram. You do fantastic work and um, everything you do is inspiring. So, yeah, definitely make sure you're following this amazing lady. All right, Julian. Uh, so, you know how we're moving into a digital age and uh, there's a lot of people with really important things to say, but they struggle to show up on video and say it. Well, that used to be me. I was terrified of being on video, but now I'm not, and my life has become so much better for it. So what I do now is I help uh, speakers, thinkers, authors, leaders, and a whole lot of other people uh, show up on video and become confident video presenters in just seven days. That's what I do. And you're about to launch a new video course based on your book, right? It, well, yeah, it's soft launch. I just launched it the other day called the Confident Video Presenter Academy. Uh, I've got people in it, and the feedback is so heartwarmingly sensational. Best work I've ever done. I'm so, so proud of it. I'm good on you. All right. I'll be promoting that too. All right, Anna. <laughs> okay. So out of friends, uh, Joanne, when I have to be super formal and things like that, so I have to admit with the C-suite, it starts off Joanne, occasionally gets to Anna. Mm-hmm. I work with boards and the C-suite on how do they lift their leadership and lift their, the sustainability of their business, primarily by working with them through the trials and tribulations. Uh, how do you do it without burning out at the business level? How do you do it without burning out at the personal level? Uh, having uh, done the latter, <laughs> more than Mm. once in my life and my corporate career. I know we're on a times where the demands on us as leaders only increasing and Mm. all more reason for us to be able to really look after our own life and sustainability so we can keep showing up and doing this kind of work, like the, the the good work here. And if I'm going to get on a hobby horse, because I know every now and again that will happen. So I'll just pre-warn people, uh, any business that wants to be functioning and alive in the next few years needs to have a solid sense of story. It needs to have exquisite video skills and it's got to be leading in sustainability. Mm-hmm. Otherwise the business is just going to be left behind and be a dinosaur. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right, Annie, you might want to check your Wi-Fi. It was just sort of breaking up. We could hear what you said, but you, but the video was pausing a little bit. So just have a check. All right. I will. All right. So let me set the scene about what we're going to talk about today. And um, and then I'm going to hand it over to you guys to hopefully be the dominant voice rather than mine. Um, so for those who don't know, for a couple of decades now, I've been attempting to understand all of the variables of the multiple planetary crises that we face, which will obviously impact not just humanity, but all life on Earth. On the other side, I've also been looking to make sense of how we can come together and solve it so future generations have a chance. All right, we've got a bit of noise there. Let me let me test. I'm going to... Uh, it's not Anna. All right. I'm just un trying to unmute her. Just let me... Uh, yeah, Anjali, there's, for some reason, it's there's noise in your background. I don't know why. All right. Mm, let's try All right. again. All right, I'm going to remove Anna uh, and then get her back. Let's see if we can do this. Sorry, just we'll sort this out. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, you know, I've been going very big picture for a very long time trying to sort of make sense of everything and how we can do it. And my conclusion at this point in the game, especially 2022 when we've had so many significant uh, events from an environment perspective happening around the world. So what I might do, Anjali, is I'll just mute you and then we'll unmute you when you need to speak. Um, yeah, and my conclusion is that basically governments and businesses are just not ready to do what we need to do to make sure that we don't suffer the worst of the climate emergency or the planetary crises because it's not just climate change that we're dealing with. There's multiple crises we're dealing with. So there's definitely momentum. There's no question about that. Some of the governments, some of the regional governments like the EU, they're stepping up, no question. Um, just yesterday I read that the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, will be delaying their decision by 18 months of where the next Winter Olympics will be, and this is because of climate change. Basically they need to find a place with snow and guaranteed snow so that they can host the Olympics. And this is this is the sort of the, the turning point where um, – organisations, governments and businesses are starting to look ahead into the longer term, looking at the climate science and what's actually being predicted and getting ready for it. But overall, the urgency is not in alignment with the action that's being taken. So um, adaptation is one of the biggest areas that really concerns me. Um, I've just recently gone through uh, a severe flooding and the infrastructure was definitely not in place to, to, to deal with that. Um, I've had four extreme events, this weather events this year. Uh, and most countries are just not even doing the minimum, the basics. So that means that all of us are going to be sitting in the eye of the storm and having to deal with what comes. So we need to get those sort of um, plans in place and, and moving. So what can we do? Well, we can step up, show up and speak up. So at this stage, I think that we, the people, actually are the best chance that we've got, but we need to come together and we need to unify and we need to raise our voices and demand the change that is required because otherwise we're just going to keep getting business as usual. So we have more power than we know, and it's time that we learnt how to use it, and that's really what I want to get to the bottom of here. So let's move into the questions. So the first question is all, all three of you are standing up and speaking up, not necessarily on any of the planetary crises, but we all know that it takes a lot of courage to be a voice out there in the world. Too many people that I'm speaking to so far, they feel use, useless, hopeless, and they don't think that their individual contribution or voice matters. So how can we help our audiences believe that their voice matters? Julian, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. Happy to. You know, that was me. It just was. I. Um, so my background was numerous things, but I was a documentary cameraman for a couple of decades. Uh, and even though I was out there telling stories in the world, uh, I had a story in my own head. And that story was uh, I was embarrassed because all these people in front of the camera were affecting change in the world and I had something in me and I thought I could do it, but I had no confidence to do it. Uh, and I was mystified to how did they know how to do this? What, what did they know? What didn't I have? It was a... Yeah, it was very perplexing. And then uh, I felt excluded because something I've learned is that those people who are in the light and move out of the shadows 
get more opportunity. And I also felt small because I knew I could be playing a bigger game, but I just felt, you know, I was held in. And then over the years, I mean, you know, through a longer story, uh, I came out of that and I realised that most of the stories I was telling in myself in my head that I wasn't good enough to do this were just that. <laughs> they were mm. stories and they had no foundation to them. And once I started unpicking these and taking some action upon them and then finding out these stories actually didn't play out, they didn't hurt me like I feared they would, just bit by bit I got that confidence to come out of the shadows myself uh, and uh, do what I do now. So, you know, it, it has been a journey for sure, but I spent years and years, if not decades, with the wrong stories and the wrong soundtracks, and you can shortcut that. You can honestly shortcut it just by having someone guide you through the process and to unpick a lot of these false stories that you actually have. Mm. I, I love that you started off with that. That's It's just so perfect, the confidence to speak up. You know, for me, talking about climate over a long period of time and obviously the climate scientists and the experts out there, um, people listen to them. But, um, you know, I'm hearing people saying things today that I was saying 10 years ago. And the more I, the more that happens, the more confident I get that, that my conclusions are, are on the right track. So sometimes just listening to what other people are saying that is in alignment to what you've been believing for a long time, that, that can also give you confidence as well. But I like the sorting out the voice in your head, definitely. But, yeah, I mean, to do that, though, you're talking about experts out there. There's... We all look to gurus and experts out there for this, you know, information. But here's a reality about gurus and experts is quite often they have moved so far in their field that they have distanced themselves at what it's like to be at beginner level and entry level. So they've lost empathy with the beginner in their field. And so I found that as much as we do need the experts and wonderful as they are, we also need people, what I call two steps ahead. So people who are just into the game, but they're two steps ahead of people who are either, you know, ranked beginners or, or the whole way up the process to being expert, you need someone who's just two steps of you ahead of you because they're yeah. empathetic to exactly what you're feeling at the moment. And they also have their hands on the tools and access to the resources that quite often the experts forgotten. So there's this there's this ability for you to be both teacher and student at the same time. So if you feel like you want to say something and you've got something to say, you can come in at almost at base level and you can frame what you're saying as, you know, look, I'm not an expert on this, but I've been doing this and this is what I found. So if you're just starting, let me help you. Let me be both teacher and student. Would you like to join me on this journey together? And that way the experts and the, the, the beginners and people, they can all work together. So if you've got this idea that, oh, no, I don't want to, you know, um, uh, show up and say something because I'm going to get criticised, who made you the expert? The imposter syndrome kicks in. And there mm. are many, many ways uh, to get around this and our thinking that's around this. Mm. Yeah. Love it. Joanne, I'm sure when you mentioned imposter syndrome, some light bulbs went off for you as well. All right, you're on mute, darling. I'm good about the background noise side of things. The joys of living in a high-rise city is sometimes construction noise happens just over the way. Mm -hmm. So fingers crossed it doesn't do anything to us today, hence this kind of headset to really limit down noise. The imposter syndrome is so um, pernicious, but the, to what Julian was just saying, you know, there are always people who have deeper expertise in a particular topic. Now, you talk to people who have multiple PhDs and they can still find somebody that has more PhDs than they do. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's, it's, the expertise is useful and it definitely has a place. So, like, for example, there's a group on the climate side, there's a group in Stockholm who 
produced what they call the Planetary Boundaries Report. Yeah. And that came out, the, the updated version of that, the 2022 data came out mid this year. And they're identifying that of the planetary boundaries that they're looking at. And the idea of the planetary boundaries is that it's sort of a bit like when you're getting to an edge, you know, is it going to get dangerous if you do another step? Will we be tipping over, you know, you know, a cliff face? Will that create other consequences? So um, they've been putting all these millions of PhDs into to good use to distill it down to a whole series. And there's a couple of them that the way that we're operating on the planet are already breached. So, so one is what they call biosphere integrity. And that for the rest of us is, you know, what are we actually doing in terms of damage to the atmosphere? So I come from Australia originally. I know my accent doesn't say it, but the chemicals that we're putting in the atmosphere can be damaging that kind of thing. The way that that affects um, the number of species that we're using creates other sorts of issues that shows up in what's called land use. How we farm creates flows of nitrogen and phosphorus, which is considered hugely damaging to other parts of the ecosystem. And then there's climate change, which is the, the area that gets the biggest headlines. But the ones I've just told you about are actually even more over the limits than even, even the climate change carbon levels. So, and then there's one that doesn't get mentioned at all. It has the most witty haha name. It's called Novel Entities. I have to admit, when I saw this, the, the phrase novel entities, it's like, you know, what are they <laughs> what are they talking about? Strange companies? But actually a lot of it gets down to it's really a technical term for the various products that man has made. So plastic, you know, plastic micropollution would fall in novel um, entities or chemical other chemical pollutions. So, you know, you've got all that kind of like sciencey, sciencey stuff. Now, I sound like I'm really informed. Haha, I'm not an expert, but I found an expert and read out. Mm. which gives me more ease in speaking about it. Like, okay, I've got a, to Andrew, like you were saying earlier, I've got a big picture. Okay. I don't understand the stacks of the details on it, but I can look into that and I can develop a process for understanding it. And that helps me deal with the apparent imposter syndrome of going, if I'm not misrepresenting where my knowledge set is, I'm not being an imposter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it, it's a, it's an interesting one, right? Because we need to value the people that can bring the pieces together. But the other side is the, the the top three communities that we trust for climate information. Number one, NASA scientists. Number two, people like us. Number three, climate scientists. So we are more trusted than climate scientists within our families and our communities. And that's why our voice matters because it's a trusted voice. And if, you know, I put out my weekend reads every week. If you want to have an argument with me, fine, but I want you to know how well read I am. So please don't don't come screaming and raging at me if you don't have the basis of, of the knowledge that I've, I spend a lot of time acquiring, right? Um, and that's why I do the weekend reads, mainly for that, but also to make it easier for people to manage the information overload. And, and Jali, what about you? Have you got... Um, thoughts yeah of course I mean you know Andrea I'll start off by sharing with everyone that a lot of good decisions in our home started because of the stuff you put out I clearly remember uh, the you know the fast fashion post you'd put out and I showed it to my daughter and how she changed her behavior and then went and advocated some of the other teenagers who were really you know after the fast fashion because it was cheap and they could change it fast and all that sort of stuff so I mean so many big decisions that um, we have made, you know, buying products, cosmetic products that are not animal tested, you know, not buying leather are all because of a post that I read somewhere. Now, I just want to kind of dig deeper on this a little bit. I think when we talk about showing up, the definition of showing up has changed a lot these days. So what mm -hmm. that means is Mostly it's social showing up, right? And a lot of us can social show up. Now, the way you remain motivated to socially show up is when you get feedback in the forms of comments and likes and things like that. And I think that's where the uselessness and the I feel hopeless because nobody's reading what I'm putting out. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm not an expert. And all those types of stories start to breed in your head. Um, but 
I think it's really important for us to understand if you are showing up, you're not showing up for a feedback, you're showing up for a purpose and a cause. Uh, And if you are not getting that kind of regular feedback, like likes and comments and things like that, that doesn't mean that you are useless. You have no idea how hard it is to build a meaningful tribe on Mm. uh, socially. It's very easy to build a crowd. So Mm. the, the, you know, that's the most important thing for me is to that sh- you can't feel useless just because somebody decided not to give you a feedback on the thing you showed up with. That's one. Mm. The second thing I would say that things changed a lot for me and gave me the courage to show up when I really started to understand what courage means. So if you go and Google the word courage, you'll almost see like a lion sitting in a jungle. And sometimes he's also with a hoodie and stuff <laughs> like that. You don't have to be a lion. What courage really means is that in that moment, you are able to, um, you know, deal with uncertainty, have emotional exposure and take a little bit of risk. If you have those components, you're showing courage. So, yeah, I put out stuff. Nobody likes it. I'm taking I'm taking taking certain level of risk. I'm dealing with a certain level of uncertainty. I am having a little bit of an emotional exposure and I'm showing courage. And uh, I think if we start to understand courage really at the deep level and not worry about the response from social and stay focused on the purpose, you will stop feeling useless. Keep doing it. Yeah, yeah, no, I like that. Can I jump in and follow up with a couple of those? So I just want to go back. Okay, now I'll work backwards with that audience uh, response that you're not getting likes. Um, I was a professional magician for five years, and when I started doing that, I was terrified of audiences because you'd go out and, you know, and stand in front of an audience and you'd do a, a show and it would be okay. <laughs> yeah, right. But you go and do the same show in front of all, and they'd be like this. Mm. Go, what's going on? What, what, what's, what's wrong? And I'd just feel so bad about it. And then somebody would come up afterwards and pat me on the shoulder and go, that was the best thing I've ever seen. And I'd go, what were you? What were you? And I learned that audiences don't all express themselves the same. And it's the same thing online. When you're putting out there and you're getting no reaction to your uh, content you're putting out there, there are so many lurkers who come on who've never, you know, like I'll put stuff out and then like 18 months, two years later, someone comes up and says, oh, I've been following you since day one. Mm -hmm. I've just never said anything. This is brilliant. So don't assume because you don't get that feedback that you aren't making an impact. It doesn't work that way. And then to go back a little bit further, we were talking about science and about science communication. Uh, I used to work on a lot of science documentaries. And typically when we were shooting a documentary, we would work in a crew of three people, uh, a producer, camera and sound. Uh, but when we worked on science documentaries, we worked on four pe- with four people. And that extra person was simply when we went back to uh, finish the day, we went back to the hotel, we'd get in a room and we'd all talk to each other and go, how are we going to take what this person has spent 30 years of their life focusing on this narrow speciality? How are we going to explain that to the common person? So mm-hmm. this idea that because we don't think we're the expert, we need people who can communicate ideas simply and effectively. And you don't you don't have to have any qualifications to, to do that. You just might have this ability that you listen to things and you can filter it and be a conduit to a whole lot of people out there who need to hear this information the way that you can present it. And remember, there's 52 flavors of ice cream out there because we all don't like vanilla. We all don't <laughs> have to like the middle. So yeah. because, you know, you, you, you might deliver it in an idiosyncratic way, but you might just connect with a very, very small group of people out there, but they want to hear it from you. Yeah, and, and that, that is, I, I shared something the other day and, and uh, I know that there's people in my community that wouldn't like the way this information was shared. And I, I said, if, if you don't like it, don't worry about it. Just move on, right? But for the people who will like this, this is a really powerful piece of content. And we, we, we've got to, you see it everywhere, people carrying on and getting up in arms, oh, I don't like this, I don't like that. It's like, well, don't watch it, don't listen to it, don't read it. 
They're not. I, they're not talking to you. <laughs> I, I feel. I feel like I'm being a hog. But I've mean, <laughs> just got to follow on with that. Um, I used to have this thing. I used to have a YouTube channel that uh, did quite well, and I used to get these haters that came in, and it was almost consistently five percent. Uh, so I was doing pretty well, but it hurt me. I for years. I internalized this, and every time I got a negative comment, like, I mean, seriously, I carried this around. And then somebody wiser and smarter than me did this. Wake <laughs> up to yourself. If you walked in to a room uh, of 20 people in the real world and 19 people said, oh, like you, and one went, oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, yeah. you'd be brilliant. How, how would that make you feel that 19 people thought you were great? And that's exactly what's happening when those 5%, 19% of people out there like me. And once I got over myself and went, why should everyone think I'm fantastic? Yeah, things got a lot easier. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that um, topic because I think it's a really it's a really important one because it, the fear of participation. But before we do, so first of all, I've been reading this book. Don't even think about it. And basically the subheading is why our brains are wired to ignore climate change. So it's the psychology of us. And uh, we're all we're, we're, we're a bit strange, but that's why I, I really wanted to sort of focus in on storytelling as part of this topic. And I'm going to ask Anjali to start, but, you know, there's so many crises that we're facing and I've been trying to tell this story for a really, really long time and I'm constantly, you know, my background's, 30 years in professional communications, right? So I know how to communicate um, and I'm constantly changing how I'm communicating to try and get the message across. But it's a message that is hard to share, but it's a message that's even harder to hear. And mm. that's hard, right? Um, but we can't, we can't ignore it anymore. You know, we're getting to such a critical point for humanity that we've got to start acting. So starting with Anjali, because I know you're all storytellers, what's your guidance on... How can we share stories about something that's really hard to hear? Um, and I suppose the best way to do it is to give us some storytelling tips for success. Do you want to start, yeah. Anjali? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I really love this question because um, it's starting to become my everyday life because change management is such a huge part of the entire sustainability agenda. And, you know, every conversation that I'm now having is around that with my clients. So, you know, it's, it, I think there's a couple of things. Firstly, I would sort of say that, you know, you said that it's hard to hear. Truly, Andrea, I wish it was hard. That means people would care. The fact is that they're ignoring. It's not hard for them because they just simply ignore. There is absolutely no emotion associated to it. And I, I feel that there's, there is a responsibility for the communicator to create that care factor. Now, I'm going to lead with a couple of examples for you, right? So not that long ago, just about in the last couple of weeks, I, I worked with a business where they have this model called the carbon pricing model. And they are building a narrative on the carbon pricing model because they want to tell their clients, should you not really look into this, you're going to get taxed heavily or you'll find yourself in a situation where you would have you know, used more, than, more carbon than allocated to you and you'll actually have to go and borrow it from someone and, you know, and then you'll have to pay a lot more. Now, the problem with that entire narrative that I was called to fix was this. People got so caught up in telling about what an amazing carbon pricing mechanism they had that they forgot to tell the story of what it would be to not have that, right? Yeah. So the obsession is so much with what we can offer to fix for those who have something or, you know, something to offer to fix, then to actually really build the resonance and connection with what it would be not to have it, right? So I was like, why, why would this person connect with this message? Can you take this person from now, two years down from now, into a boardroom, show them, get them to visualize them, you know, really showing downward trajectory in terms of the revenue because they've had to pay this huge amount of tax because there was nothing done, done to really you know, in an informed way, control the consumption and manage the use of the carbon. How, how did they even, can you get them to 
be in that boardroom two years from now and make them go, oh my God. There's only two reasons people would listen to anything. It's either a thrive message or a survive message. I'm not going to mm. survive with it or I'm going to thrive with it. I think the problem we have is that the communication about climate change, the communication about sustainability, the communication about ESG is just so academically driven that it lacks real connection and resonance with people. My 15-year-old daughter said to me, one day we'll all drown and then only we'll do something about it. And I said, my God, even a 15-year-old can see that, that not unless we actually really feel the repercussions, the consequences of it, we are going to do something about it. But we can't wait for that to happen. Otherwise, it'll be too late to make the change happen. Therefore, the best storytellers have to take you into scenarios of what it means to you if you don't do something like that. Again, very quickly, pulling back into an example, let's talk about green skills, right? Everybody's like, green skills are becoming important. Green skills, green skills are going to be in demand. Nobody's listening. But if you actually told a story about, okay, let's pull a story out. A story about what happened in, in Sweden, I think this was. I could be wrong about the country. I think in Sweden, um, we talked about urban planning. There's a story about urban planning. And where, there were these people who were kind of doing the snow clearing, uh, you know, excess, looking at snow clearing and saying, can snow clearing be sexist? And everybody laughed. And the planning council said, how can something like snow clearing be sexist? And that exact comment really got the planning people to poke their nose in it and said, let's just see. And when they actually tried to look at it, they figured that, oh my God, snow clearing is sexist. Why? Because the way we clear the snow in any place is where the high traffic areas are there. Mostly men drive the car to work. Women do what is called trip chaining. They use public transport. They get up, they buy groceries, they get back on a public transport. Uh, and public transport goes from places which are not really in that you know, high traffic area where cars and all go from in, in this particular country. And then pedestrian clearing is done after the high traffic. Most women in the buggies actually with the prams, they're pushing the, the, the pram through four inch snow. Mm -hmm. And the process is really designed to make it easy for men to get to work of snow clearing. So then when that whole conclusion was done, it was it, the, the conclusion was that firstly, if there was a woman involved in urban planning, then we would have never gotten here because nobody, because all the men were there, nobody saw it. Now, if you give that example and you say, we're going to have green economy. If we don't have more women learning about green skills, one more time, all the rules, the regulations, the policies, the strategies would be designed to suit the men. Not because they sit on the table and say, I want to make it nice for men and bad for women. They just don't have that insight from a woman on the table. Therefore, women get up, get green skills or else not only snow clearing, but green economy will be sexist too. So yeah. why, people are not taking the help of stories to bring that thing to life, right? Um, and I think the climate change conversation is so much in big numbers. And truth be told, the bigger the number, the less I'm going to connect with it because it means nothing to me. Um, there is a wonderful book called Making Numbers Count, which actually says in many languages, after the number five, you don't have like a language for it because we only really connect with numbers as long as they are till five after that it becomes lots and lots of numbers so a lot of the climate change conversation is lots and lots of numbers i'm yeah. not connecting with it so therefore i'm ignoring it's not hard for me to hear because i'm just ignoring i wish it was hard i wish i cared so that's yeah. what i would say yeah no, i like that i always say if we had more female urban planners we'd have a lot more female public toilets uh, the curbs would be designed for prams, you know, just basic stuff, how doors open, you know, they, they would be more user-friendly to someone who's juggling multiple things, you know. So, yeah, it's a it's a really good example. But I'll, up to five people. After five, it's just uh, it's a number lots that and just lots. doesn't mean. Yeah. And we always yeah. know if you, want, if you want to talk about disaster or tragedy, tell one story, you know. Yeah, because why one story? Why? Because, you know, the famous quote from Stalin, the death of a single person is a tragedy. A death of 400 people is a statistic. I just don't connect with it. You yeah. know, we perceive things very differently. Uh, the bridge in Gujarat that, that you know, recently there was a bridge in Gujarat, India, that actually collapsed. Most newspapers reported bridge in Gujarat, India, 135 people died. Ra 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 ra. Only yeah. Financial Times started the article of that particular news like this. 
I forget the name of the cu- the couple and the family they had, but it. So I'll just kind of make up the name, Mr. and Mrs. Patel, along with their two kids. After many weeks are going on this Sunday to watch this newly opened bridge. What they did not know was that along with 135 other people, that family is not going to return back home today. Now, you get goosebumps when you hear that. And you go, I care. People care for Mr. and Mrs. Patel. People care for people. People don't care for large numbers. And for as long as we are going to just rely on numbers... We may be able to bring credibility to the communication. We'll never bring a connection to the communication. Yeah. And for a change, connection will always beat credibility. Yeah. Yeah, nice one, mate. Uh, like the Pakistan story when the glacial lake outburst, you know, the the, the, the scale, the numbers, you know, uh, and media coverage on that was very pathetic. And the media... Oh, my boy, they, they have such a big role to play in this. But uh, Julian or Joanne, did you want to jump in on the storytelling? Uh, I'd, lo- I'd love to on this one. To extend on from what Angelie's just said, I found when I'm speaking with executive groups about this one that if it's an opening keynote, they kind of want the punch and like, duh, 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 duh. You know, it's just like, you know, the call to your executive greatness kind of thing. You know, the, here's the challenge to take on. But the thing that actually gets them into motion as opposed to here's this great big berry, hairy, audacious, haggy goal to play with is when I actually make it personal. And I make it personal at a very, very simple question. Like I go, do you intend to be alive in, in this case, I'd say seven years? And I'll put my hand up. I'll, I do. How about you? And then people go, oh, what's that about? And so, well, right now, between now and 2030 is seven years. So the decisions we make now will be the decisions, the consequences that we live with. It's personal. It's our seven years that we're speaking about. It's your seven years. It's the time that – and then it kind of moves off this intellectualized spot into that personal one of, yeah, this is my, this is mine, and then we can start connecting into corporate responsibilities and things. But I found that that was one of those moments where people would go, oh, it's me. Me has a role, not just that mm. outs, outside world that makes a big, big difference. Yeah, or not just the people, in, or not just yeah. the people in the global south who are living in poverty, right? As well. Yeah, but I mean, the part of living in in Singapore and having lived in Africa growing up and being in various other parts of the world, you know, it's always been really clear to me that the decisions we make in one part of the world have consequences elsewhere. And if I'm going to speak very, very directly and seriously is the trend direction is there's transparency on the decisions we make elsewhere and you will bear the consequences. So, you know, let's make this really direct as an individual company. So Rio Tinto is a very well-respected mining company. 30 years ago, it had a set of practices that pretty much ignored local communities where they were putting in mining. Now the world has changed. The standards have shifted but they are now being investigated for the impact they had on that community in in Bougainville and PNG. So there's a very, very clear direction of the decisions we make now, we will be held accountable to. And this is not theory or fiction. It's current civil and criminal liability as a director Mm. on it. So it's like, okay, you know, it's personal. (laughs) It's deeply, deeply personal. So how do we go on a robust journey to get our heads around it, understand it, and help the rest of our organization make very rapid shifts, you know, the change management piece, yeah. so that we're addressing these things before they come and bite us badly? Yeah. I can give a spin on the individual level because we just had more of a, a, a corporate organisational response to that. But what the individual can do, and particularly using video, um, is number one, you've got to understand when you show up on video to do this, is stand firm. You do not need anyone's permission to show up and, and help people. So understand that belief system within yourself. And then you have to be clear because confused people don't buy. Uh, and then you've got to stay true. You've just got to turn up authentically and, and do it. And the great news about that is you don't have to change who you are to do that. So once you 
build on that foundation, you might be doing something locally. You might have an idea that you're you're into saving, you know, recycling plastic bags or, you know, doing something with the supermarket just at a very local level. But you want to go and tell people, but you say, oh, I can't turn up on video and, and do this. So don't talk about the numbers. Don't talk about the problems. Talk about what the other person you're talking to will be feeling. And you know what they're feeling because you have been through this journey yourself. So there are these nine questions, like the universal questions that people ask themselves when they're buying something. I mean, this has been around for ages, but if you use these, these are great starting points. So people are worried about, you know, so if you're trying to convince them to get on board, they're worried about time. Yeah, so you know, concerned. I don't have enough time to do this with everything else I've got on already. You know, how am I going to make this work? You know, if I've got to take this on, make a video that just says, "Oh, look, I get you're probably worried about you're not going to have enough time, but this is how I did it." Um, Ability. Uh, I won't be scared. I'll be scared. Uh, I won't be able to do this even if I try my best. Confusion. This is new to me. Where do I start? You know, can I do this in my unique situation? fear that you're going to look silly in front of others or if you're going to fail. And so there's timing, there's confidence, uh, there's trust, um, and then there's their local environment. You know, they don't know if they're going to get the right support around them. So just using a simple framework like this and talking to people at that right at that base level, that's how you use the power of video to do this because this is no like and trust. And the more that you can turn up, uh, and people can understand you and what you're trying, the uh, the impact you're trying to get across to them. If you break it down into little bite-sized pieces, because one of the problems we do is we've all got this big passion to want to go and do something, but I was liking it like a big potato. Like you're trying to give a potato to someone and say, now eat that. You can't get it down. What we've got to do is video fire our message. And to do that, we turn that potato into fries. And it's the same amount of potato, but, you know, like if you get a thing of fries, they're very, very easy to eat. So we've got to work out a way to be able to do that. And just using those simple emotive uh, feeling questions is a, a really simple way to start. Yeah, I like it. I, I, uh, I had a, an experience, I don't know if you had a chance to see it, Julian, where I did a couple of videos where we were removing the rope monster off the beach and it was a whole family down there with tools chopping this thing up. And uh, the Rope Monster, as a brand, is well and truly established now. Everywhere I go, people talk to me about the Rope Monster, and uh, um, and it was just this huge, huge pile of fishing that, that yeah. literally took us three weeks to go down, cut, remove. It was it was really hard work, but um, yeah, just like just showing with 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 positivity. Uh, like even though it's hard work, it was like let's be positive. You know, when my husband was being a bit grumpy, I'm like. I'm trying to convey that this is a positive experience. It's something great for the family to do. Please try and be positive with me because uh, you don't want it to be a negative experience because who's going to buy into that, right? So, yeah, no, it's cool. All right, so another side, oh, fantastic. But the other side, of course, is um, people are scared of being attacked online and for women even more so. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of trolls. Uh, Twitter's flush with them at the moment there's some statistics out that showing the rise of hate on twitter has just really gone off the charts since musk has sort of taken over all right we've lost julian um but you know it's angry people it's confused people it's deniers it's people who believe in whatever institution is telling them one form of media whatever it is that they're believing and they're on they're online they're they're there in life and i've obviously had my fair share of, of the experiences today i i literally don't care i um, I know what I know and I know how much work I do. So if you're a complete changer, stranger showing up and trying to t- take the mickey out of me, I'm like, well, I, I don't know you. I don't know what you know. I don't know what you've got to offer. So I can't give you all my time. So Joanne, um, you know, both of us have sort of been in the climate sort of game for a while. Any tips or ideas or suggestions on people who are just scared to step up and be a voice in the world because of that? Oh, I meant you're on mute. mute. There we go. (laughs) For me, the question in this one of there's like taking apart some of the different reasons why the fear sits in me. So, you know, there there was a part of the fear just going like, you know, do I know anything? You know, 
and that one I realized if I go and start learning, then I will actually know something. So, you know, yeah, hence for that, I discovered plan-free boundaries images and all sorts of good stuff. Uh, then there's the one about do I have so com- anything? Com- so, so confidence, so in, confidence in your knowledge. Yeah, in the knowledge and the understanding in it. And, at, you know, to Julian's earlier comment, it's not like one has to be deeply expert. I mean, I, I grew up with scientists in the Green Revolution. So at one level, I, I, I had a PhD, multiple PhDs, and this just from the family dinner table by the time right. I was 20. But then, you know, a whole stack of years later on, I'm a little bit over 20 now. I wasn't sure where my knowledge was. And and, and so I went back to school and, and, and started, you know, swatted away to kind of go like, okay. And what I realized in that was, A, I did actually know something, which was kind of cool to realize all those dinner conversations were useful. Um, so hashtag, you never know what you're going to get from the dinner table. It could be decades later. Is, you know, that was one part, but you don't have to be, so there's people that are way deeper in some of these topics than I am. You know, like Angela, I want to connect with you afterwards on the, you know, carbon pricing ones, because that's an area I know I don't know a lot about, and it's about rapidly moving ones. So, you know, so you've got places like that, continuous pieces. But I do know lots about some other pieces, and if I integrate what I do know things about, and that's true of every one of us, and then add some of the things I'm getting insight to, I've got something useful that I can bring to other people. So that was the second one to me is, you know, the, the knowledge one do I have something that would be useful? And I realized I didn't didn't have to have the ultimate message in the world. But if I could help make it a bit more sensible or I could connect this piece of information to that thing there, I was being useful. So I wasn't showing yeah. up to add to the noise. I was showing up in service. And I think that's the third one to realize is, you know, why are we choosing to show up? You yeah. know, if we're sh- you know, for me, if I'm showing up and it's all about me, it feels intrinsically uncomfortable. I mean, we were talking you know, in the green room, you know, I'm, I'm a high introvert. So I'm quite happy on my own. I don't, you know, like getting out in public takes energy, but if I'm doing it to help and serve other people, then the attention's not on me. It's on who am I trying to connect with? And I was telling a story that would be the kind of story style that I would tell if I was speaking to a board, because those were things and signals that would be important to them. And Julian gave a great example of speaking to every person and Anjali gave a wonderful one on how do you speak you know with a story that was designed for a different style of audience so then there's another one about like who am I actually trying to connect to and speak to and then mm. and then everybody else frankly and it, this was a bit of a learning curve for me everybody else it's like great but if I'm trying to provide really great salted caramel ice cream and wanting to work with the people who want salted caramel ice cream, and somebody comes up and goes, "I don't like you. You don't do vanilla." It's like, "Well, it's okay. I don't do vanilla." Yeah. Yeah. And so, <laughs> I realized like some of the things that come across as trolling is people who have a different interest in lens, and that's cool. Mm. But that's not the that's not the lens that I'm attempting to support and serve. There's other people out there in the world that are doing that. Yeah, so it's being really clear in your purpose of why you're showing up, which I absolutely agree mm-hmm. with, and Julia said it earlier. But the other one is, um, you know, being clear on who your audience is, you yeah. know, and it, and when these people turn up to criticise you, if they're not your audience, like, you know, oh, go and have a good yeah. day, you know. Um, yeah. And, Jolion, you, you've had some experiences being trolled, right? Oh, yes. Andrew, do you remember that lipstick comment? I couldn't believe that one. It was so stupid. <laughs> And, and and this is this is important one. Share it because yeah, because Julian would get a, a beard comment instead. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe Julian would think you know lipstick is a great thing after this. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, well you know this this was very very early on when I first started doing videos. It, it's not. I mean I've been doing videos for a very very long time now, but this was early. Um, and I remember I'd done a video and. I like wearing bright lipsticks and wearing one right now. It's it's something I like to do. Um, and this this vid- so I did that video and there was lots of commentary. Uh, you know, I'm very fortunate to get a lot of engagement, meaningful engagement mostly. And then I get this one comment. <laughs> Excellent message, but that lipstick is horrible. Wipe it off or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And but you know, to be very honest with you, I have to really be, you know, I'd be so, so honest. It just didn't bother me. I don't know why. I could never answer as to why it didn't bother me, why I didn't feel like I need to delete it. I was like, yeah, whatever, you know, water off the duck's back, like just keep moving. Um, I 
personally, you know, I mean, I've I've also had lots of direct messages. You know, I get a lot of commentary on my earrings. Uh, why are you wearing such big earrings? I see how you're trying to get attention from people by wearing big earrings. Mm. Oh, why such a bright dress? Oh, your heels are very colorful. And I, 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 I have never been able to figure out why it just doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me, you know, because yeah. um, I know a lot of people say that really, you know, you hold on to that negative comments and stuff like that. But I think it's all the reason for that is, having a great mentor you know i have a very very good mentor and i if every time something like this happens i'll just connect with him and he gives me very sane advice and he'll be like ah they're just trying to leverage off something that is working well on social and trying to you know the video is working well so they're just adding their own voice in don't worry you've got bigger fish to fry like just just don't worry about it um mm. so you know truly to be very honest with you those that comment doesn't matter to me but here's what i want everyone to remember when we are talking about show up and speak up don't feel like you need to be an invited speaker invited speakers need to be subject matter experts right then you need to have something more and better and really you know strong knowledge about the space that you're in and you know people should really be you should be surprising everyone every second line or third line or you should be able to communicate it in such a way that nobody else can but i think when we talk about showing up through social showing up with the message and the purpose you're trying to make a change happen you're not an invited speaker you've chosen to be there to with the purpose to make a change happen the day i shifted my view that way and if there was a comment other than so if it's a comment on my content um then i take notice others i just go okay you don't like the lipstick <laughs> move on you know i i just put one more last point malcolm gladwell is someone i really really admire and there's one of his book you know he's an author journalist um you know podcast host and there's his one of his book what did the dog what did the dog see i think that's the title of the book the very first page actually has this these few lines which i don't remember exactly how it is but the meaning of the line is this if you don't like it what someone else has written why are you wasting your time really investing your energy in being negative about it exactly what you said andrea just don't read it just move on um yeah. and if somebody does do that to you then you need to move on just let it be mm. just move on so i think I for know. me i hear I, yeah, one of the things that, that one of the things that I think is a real problem for women and for men but more for, more so for women is commenting on physical appearance in a positive or a negative way so like Anna had a great book launch the other week and I said you look fabulous and that's unusual for me to do that but she really did look fabulous she had this amazing red dress and it, you just sparkled in the photo but I that really so it was so have, and it was a fabulous I, event fabulous and it was people. it was brilliant it was fabulous it was, Wonderful to see it. and um, But I rarely comment on appearance because I think for a lot of women, on video in particular, get, getting having the courage to get online is also opening themselves up to criticism. And I'm so happy to hear that you don't care about it, but I know a lot of women wouldn't show yeah. up be because yeah. of that fear. So we've got to be very conscious of that. And, you know, if someone wants to wear big earrings and red lipstick and that's their style, leave them alone, <laughs> Right. Precisely. Right. And, and you know, I'll, I, I've got this really wonderful quote that I've given my daughter to keep it as a screensaver on her phone, which is by Greta Thunberg, which actually she says that when they've got nowhere else to go, they'll go after your appearance. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think it is such an important message for every girl. And I, I tell my 15 and a half year old, keep the fight cerebral, darling. Don't yeah. don't talk about physical stuff at all. You know, that's where we're talking about equality, where yeah. it's all cerebral. Who wears what lipstick and shoes and earrings? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Do what suits you. Yeah, yeah exactly. If, right. if you go online, you you really do have to take on the mindset of eat the fish, spit out the bones. Like you're <laughs> going to have this great experience, but we're all going to get a bone, and it's going to be a little bit. You just spit it out, and you keep on going. Uh, and the other thing about worrying about turning up, uh, the bit my uh, uh, pivot point was when I worked out that it wasn't about me and as soon as you stop turning up and thinking that this is about you and we and we, we all do that unconsciously without knowing it, we spend, oh, I'm not going to put the video out until I find the right music. I'm not going to, you know, all this, you're, not, you're making the video for the wrong person. Like you're not the client, you're not the customer. So the, the simple saying is fix nervous with service. 
So if you're worried about doing this, taking on a service mindset where you're turning up to help somebody solve a problem that they've got, and when that can become your focus, it honestly liberates you. Uh, you you just, I mean, like we do, you pretty much press a button and you go and say it because you're going, this is my intention to do this. And a lot of these other concerns melt away. And the third thing I just want to say there is, yeah, you women are vicious to each other. Yeah, I just got to ease oh, yeah. up a little bit. Boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, the, the, the comments were from women to other women. I can't stand saying that. Um, from a trolling perspective, um, Greta Thunberg, again, was recently asked, how does she deal with trolls? And she said, I don't. And I just thought, yep, that's exactly right. Like, seriously, um, I, I just had someone on LinkedIn. They were completely nonsensical. I had no idea what they were talking about. And I asked them for clarification of, of, the, of, of what they were saying to me because I didn't even know that they were trolling me at that point because it just didn't make any sense. And and, and it came back with something that even made less sense. And uh, I just reported him as a bully and just moved on. So you just... I, just don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And if you're there with purpose and intention and, and you're there to serve your community and, and that's your drive for being there, you're showing up for a reason. It just sort of, it takes it all away. All right, just the final one, because I know Anna was going to have to probably jump off in a minute and maybe you should start, but let's just, as many as you want, some final tips and tricks, what, you know, getting started um, or have started, failed, hiding away, whatever, whatever however people are feeling, uh, Anna, you're still on mute, so I'll get you to unmute. But um, what's your advice? How, how, do, how do people overcome anything we haven't discussed yet? Actually, the easiest one is to actually just decide there's nothing you have to overcome. Because mm. then, then it stops being this great big struggle and it's, it's, it's sort of like, you know, well, you know, if your favourite thing is dark chocolate, I love dark chocolate, I'm not so fond of white chocolate, it's like, okay, well, how can I make that dark chocolate? It's It's a... But when I'm dramatizing and making it, then I, I get stuck when I just say, okay, maybe how can I just make it like dark chocolate and do it easily? The noise disappears and it's much easier just to do the next piece, i.e. show up yeah. or make a statement or press play or tell a good story. Yeah. All right. I'm not, I'm not sure I understood the dark chocolate analogy, but um, Angelica? And I, adore, I adore dark chocolate. If it's dark chocolate involved, it's an easy thing for me to do. I, mind you, the temptation to not eat too much dark chocolate definitely, definitely a battle there. But the, 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 the pieces sometimes we tell us the sto- ourselves the story that it's complicated and difficult, and, yeah. and that's what creates the difficulty. It's like doing the housework. Yeah. Most of the time, actually, you just pick up the dishcloth and wipe. It's done. But we yeah. can make it take forever because we don't want to pick, pick the dishcloth up. So, you yeah. know, I think dark chocolate's more exciting than dishcloths myself. So, <laughs> all right, got you. All right, Anjali. So I'll go back to Andrew where you started today. So if people feel like, you know, hopeless, useless, I can't do anything. Very quick story. Uh, you know, many years ago, I said to someone like, as if me not using plastic bag is going to change the world, right? It's just me. Um, and it, it, this was whilst I was actually on a walk with my mentor. And he turned around and said to me, if Every individual thought like that, we would have no roads, we'll have no new technology, no advancement in the world, because it Mm -hmm. all started with an individual. If every individual thought like that, we will have no progress. So even if you make a decision to switch off the light, if you made a decision to throw, not use plastic, you are contributing. Just keep that in mind. You can't change the world, you can change your own world. And that's good enough I would say that yeah I like, I like that I think in Australia when they um there was a real big campaign in the 80s to get people to to actually vote legitimately because it's compulsory to vote in Australia and so a lot of people were doing dummy votes and um there was this huge campaign where the every Australian I know um feels that their vote counts you know, and so whatever that campaign was incredibly successful. So maybe we need to go back and pull that campaign apart and turn it into a, a campaign for us all to care about the environment and, and waste, right? But, um, yeah, that that belief that what you do matters and, you know, and it ripples out and we've all got to be ripple makers, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Julian? Yeah, um, understand there's a paradox out there that there's, imp- there's inside your four walls, there's imperfect you with something important to say that you want to say. And on the other side of the world, there's all these people 
looking for imperfect videos because that's the sort of content we watch. If you've got 10 minutes to spare, I'm going to go find a good corporate video said nobody. Like, you know, we, we, we want this imperfect content, yet <laughs> it's crazy. They're all saying give it to us and we're all going, oh, no. Oh, it's not ready yet. I'm, you know, it's not perfect. So just get over this uh, this crippling need for perfection. Done yeah, is better than done. Yeah, exactly. All right, I've just got a few. The first is um, being focused. So you can go big picture, which is what I try and do, and try and bring all the pieces together, or you can go very specific in, in an area that you're passionate about. But the most important thing is that your audience knows why you're showing up uh, and that's so they can follow you and support you, hopefully. Uh, but don't... don't um, don't bank on that. Um, when it comes to anything to do with the planetary crisis, it's really important to be current. So I'll give you an example. Um, I saw someone on Twitter yesterday saying that we've experienced a 40% decline in insect numbers, and that information is more than two years old. Uh, the latest officially is 65%, but they actually think it's closer to uh, 80, 80%, 85% because there's so much information not known in the world. So you've got to be current. If it's more than a year or two old, it's, you know, really see if there's something uh, newer. Um, and know your field and do the work. Spend the time, really really spend the time um, researching it uh, so that when you do show up, you, you can back yourself. Um, there's a lot of people out there who, um, will, especially for the people who are, are showing up for the first time because they, they've recognised that there's a problem and they're very anxious about the problem and they want to start participating in the conversation, but they don't have the depth behind them yet. And there's a group of people out there who are patronising them, condescending them, um, and basically trying to put them back in their box, right? So first of all, never let them um, shut you up because they don't have a right to, but just really do the work and know your field and that will really help. Um, I think they were the yeah my three points. Any any what any final ones before we wrap up? Because I know Anna, you need to jump off, right? I I, yeah. I do. I, I just wanted to touch back on, and as we pick up that those new stats, then that moment to be able to like, what's a, a human story that people can connect to? So I remember someone telling me the sixty five things on insects, and they and then they said to me, "Did you remember as a kid? You know how you'd go for a drive, and at the end of the drive, your windscreen would just covered in insects, mm -hmm. so the poor wipers couldn't move." And I was like, "Yeah, I'd forgotten all about that." That's true. Yeah. We had a lot of insects when I was a kid, when you just drove around, splat, splat, splat. And and now you go for a long drive and it's super rare to have anything squished yeah. on it. I mean, and that's that's the insect disappearing. And that's how they're measuring it. But there's a, but the other side of the insects is like in a sort of tropical regions of the world, in the in the rainforest, there could be a, a, a an insect apocalypse happening, but no one's actually watching, so nobody actually knows. Mm -hmm. But in Denmark, in Australia, it's 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 the it's the cars and and the windows, which is interesting. So, but it's an important story, you know. And then personalizing it to the windscreen, I think, is a is a good one, right? Because yeah. we all grew up with that. All right. So, look, the final message here is: we really need you. We need you out there. Um, there is there is a narrative in the global conversation online and offline and in the media uh, that is not representative of the majority of us. And that's what I, that's a message that I really want to um, get over. So people are stepping back from social media. They're stepping back from the media because, you know, if you just go into the media today, it's, it's absolutely depressing what you read, right? Um, but we need to, we, we need to step into this and we need to become the dominant narrative in the conversation because, we, that's that we're the majority and and we get to we get to determine what's coming next rather than you know the dystopia that's being sort of regularly placed in front of us we don't want to head that direction and the only way we can make sure that we don't is to participate and be part of the conversation so please um, overcome your fears some, some really great tips here confidence purpose focus you know all those sort of tips just um, don't be perfect just get in there and be part of the conversation because People want to speak up, but they're scared to speak up because nobody else is speaking up. So the only way we can change that is to speak up. What do you guys think? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thumbs up. <laughs> All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say goodbye. Thank you so much, both of you, for coming and joining us. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and I love the work both of you do and Anna, who's had to jump off. But thank you. 
Love the work you do, Andrea. Thank yeah. you so much. You've been talking about the topic that needs to be spoken about for so, so long. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of respect I have for you for that. Oh, thanks, mate. I appreciate it. It's um, uh, this year. Uh, it, this this year, it's kind of burnt me out a bit, and uh, but I can't not keep talking about it because we need to act and um, speaking up and being part of it. To me, you know, that's I'm just trying to recruit people to help because we've we've got to do this. We've got to do it for our kids, you know. And we've all got, we've all got kids, right? They deserve something better. In fact, Julian, are you a granddad? Not yet. Not yet, not not too far Why away, right? Why would you say that? No, I, I remember seeing your kids are getting married, right? So that's a good answer. Yeah. yeah, no, 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 not for any other reason. Anyway, this is the last climate courage for the year. Um, I'm going to be back next year. We're going to be doing lots more. Really appreciate all the all the people who've agreed to be part of it so far, as well as um, Julian and Jolly and Joanne today. And um, yeah, I just hope everyone has a safe and sustainable festive season and uh see you all in 2023 and thanks for listening in thank you so much all right see you guys